is your weekend edition of Instant Update on the coronavirus in New York City, March 22nd, 2020. Today, we will expand your briefing to no more than 30 minutes and spend time providing context on the situation in New York and across the globe. We will review the number of confirmed cases, review what transpired this week locally and nationally, learn about what's happening in the markets from our financial correspondent, speak to a Bay Area resident about his experiences, walk through some practical knowledge from CNN, and end on a lighter note with a clip from SNL's weekend update. This week, we saw the number of confirmed cases across the country grow exponentially. As of Sunday morning, we had 29,192 confirmed cases in the United States and 15,168 confirmed cases in New York City. That's up from just 269 confirmed cases in New York City one week ago. The top three most impacted states in the country are New York, Washington, and California. However, Washington and California have about 10% of the total cases we are seeing in New York. Governor Cuomo was quick to point out that New York has actually tested 61,000 people, far more than any state in the country, which is one reason we have so many positive cases. Earlier in the week, many states began to order restaurants, bars, and gyms to close. Later in the week, we began to see lockdowns sweep through the nation. California Governor Newsom led the charge, locking down the entire state of California on Thursday. He said that he expects 56% of California will be infected within eight weeks. Illinois, Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York followed suit, issuing various stay-at-home orders. As of Sunday morning, Ohio and Louisiana announced lockdowns as well. These directives mean that all non-essential workers must stay at home. Governors Newsom and Cuomo have been praised for their efforts to lead at the local level. One of the gravest risks of this crisis is seeing the healthcare system get overwhelmed. Let's listen to the impact healthcare professionals across the country are seeing. Doctors from coast to coast are afraid and concerned. I've been a registered nurse for over a decade. Uh, my hospital is in complete chaos and confusion in regards to COVID-19. Do you feel like they were ready for this when it got to the United States? No, absolutely not. They're still scrambling. We just don't have what we need. Are you afraid for yourself and your patients? Well, it's the first time in my entire career that I've ever been afraid, and I've heard other physicians say that they're afraid. They are worried about how their hospitals and government are falling short as the coronavirus sweeps the nation. If there was a story of the week, it was the seriousness of this crisis coming to bear as the total number of cases soared across the country. Everyone, including the president, was clearly taking this crisis seriously at the end of the week. Rand Paul tested positive and Mitt Romney is now in quarantine. Let's listen to a clip from CNN on how the president's narrative has shifted recently. Are you concerned that the virus is getting close to the White House? No, I'm not concerned at all. No, I'm not. It will go away. Just stay calm. It will go away. To keep new cases from entering our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. This is the most aggressive and comprehensive effort to confront a foreign virus in modern history. We're in great shape compared to other places uh, we are in really good shape. Yeah, no, I don't take responsibility at all. It's all over the world. It's incredible what's happened in such a short period of time. And I've always known this is a, this is a real, this is a pandemic. There were many actions taken by the federal government to help ease the health care and financial burdens on the states and citizens affected. Here is a rundown of some of the actions we saw take place. The Fed slashed rates to near zero, easing lending rules. SF Mayor London Breed ordered residents to stay home. EU leaders closed borders due to coronavirus. U.S. and Canada suspended non-essential travel. Hospital ships headed to New York City. The Senate passed a relief bill for expanded pay leave. 
Rep. Mario Diaz-Balart of Florida of Congress tested positive. Prosecutors looked into insider trading by two Republican senators who sold off their equities before the crisis. Governor Cuomo ordered 100% of the workforce to stay home. The Fed expanded the asset purchase to include municipal bonds. Trump declared a major disaster in Washington state. And unfortunately, as of Sunday morning, the Senate was unable to come to agreement on a stimulus deal. And they warned of, quote, serious issues. Now let's listen into a conversation between myself and our financial analyst. Reed DeRamus, former investment analyst at Dragonfly Capital. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I know you've been following the impacts of the coronavirus on the markets very closely. Maybe you can start by giving us an overview of what's going on. Yes, the past few weeks have been uh, pretty exceptional. Uh, The mounting fears around the economic impact of the coronavirus have rattled the markets. The S&P 500 and the NASDAQ are both coming off their worst weekly performances since the financial crisis in 2008. And uh, this this is probably no surprise to anybody, but volatility is at an all-time high. The S&P has had a record eight straight days of market swings, over 4%. And that was uh, the, the largest of those was on this past Monday when there was a 12% decline, the largest daily move since 1987. This week also was the official end to the longest bull market ever. Uh, we were also entering the quickest, fastest entrance to a bear market in history. Uh, the record-setting bull market w- gained 400% from March 2009 to March 2020. But since then, the major indexes have fallen well below their recent highs, including the Dow, which is down 35%, the S&P down 32%. Uh, for context, the, the, the median-sized Uh, drop for bear markets since 1929 is 34%. However, some of the more recent drops, uh, like the 08 financial crisis was 57%, and the 2000 to 2002 bear market was 49%. So there's there's some people in the the investment community that feel that we still have some room uh, to drop even further from where we are today. Got it. That's helpful context. Maybe you can share a little bit about why the markets are dropping so quickly. It's really just extreme uncertainty around uh, the economic impact of the partial shutdowns. Those partial shutdowns are intended to curb the spread of the coronavirus, uh, but at the same time, it's putting a lot of businesses, uh, you know, out of business for the foreseeable future. And there's just so much uncertainty around when things are going to go back to normal and what businesses are able to make it through, you know, an extended period of not doing, uh, you know, any having any revenue uh, or having to make payroll. So there's just the market's putting a lot of uh, uncertainty on, you know, how the coronavirus is going to impact uh, the global economy all the way down to uh, medium and small, uh, smaller uh, businesses. Yeah. And if we know one thing, it's that the markets do not like uncertainty. So it sounds like over the past you know, several weeks, but particularly this past week, we've seen some unprecedented events. Maybe you can give us a sense for what we should expect in the upcoming week. So this, this upcoming week is going to be a big one. Um, a, a lot of it's focused on how can you reduce the, the, the likelihood of entering a recession and the impact on the global economy? And a lot of people in the investment community are looking at the Fed and policymakers to to lower the impact. The Fed has already announced $700 billion in asset purchases, and they've reduced the interest rates to 0%, both of which are 
are fairly unprecedented. And as of yesterday, Secretary of the Treasury Steven Mnuchin said the administration is working with the Fed to increase those asset purchases to $4 trillion, which is going to provide much needed financing to businesses uh, in the form of loans to help them make those uh, payrolls and operating costs for the next 90 to 120 days. On the other side, uh, more attention is focused uh, shifting towards policymakers. Congress is working on uh, putting a, a massive uh, coordinated fiscal stimulus package together, and they're hoping that they can push that through by the end of the week. Initial expectations were for Senate Republicans to release a bill that cost around $1 trillion. And for context, TARP, which was the stimulus package from the 08 financial crisis, was initially $700 billion, uh, and only $500 billion of that uh, ended up being spent. So we're already well above that. And then yesterday, the White House economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, said the stimulus package could cost more than $2 trillion. This is welcome news for some in the investment community. Uh, people like Ray Dalio from Bridgewater and Scott Minerd from Guggenheim Partners have both expressed that the stimulus plan needs to be north of $2 trillion. The bipartisan package is expected to, to include things from, uh, that from the Republican and the Democratic side. The Trump administration has suggested a $50 billion lending facility for airlines, $150 billion for other hard-hit sectors, and $300 billion for a new program that would provide loans to qualifying small businesses. Democrats are, tend to focus more on the individual and are continuing to push for expanded unemployment insurance benefits mandatory paid leave, student loan reductions, and other labor-focused items. There's even potential for direct payments to taxpayers. Investors are anxious. Uh, the, the stimulus package cannot be approved soon enough. Uh, that said, as of this afternoon, Sunday afternoon, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has signaled that there's still a lot of work to be done to reach a bipartisan agreement. So I still think we're going to have, uh, you know, a lot of uh, turmoil and, and ups and downs in the upcoming week as the market kind of reacts to all the news coming out of Washington. Thanks, Reed. It sounds like we all better buckle up to see what's ahead, but certainly that additional context is incredibly helpful. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Now I'd like to switch gears and bring in Kun Gao, who is uniquely positioned to share some insights on the effects of the coronavirus. Kun was one of the first people I knew to raise awareness about COVID-19. He has family in China, including one of his children until recently, so he saw the epidemic coming early. Kuhn is based in the Bay Area, which has been aggressive about confronting the outbreak. Kuhn, thanks for joining us. I'd like to start with what you initially saw and what gave you the sense that this was a pandemic versus an isolated incident in China. Thanks for having me on. Well, the world today is an infinitely smaller place. You can, you can fly to China and back in 24 hours. The pace of globalization has pushed us to become incredibly interconnected. And, and this brings huge economic advantages, increases everyone's quality of life. Uh, but downsides like disease can also spread just as quickly or even quicker than before. China and parts of Asia have had to deal with a number of outbreaks in the past, including SARS, MERS, major airports in Asia, all check for temperatures for every inbound flight right on landing, and they've been doing this for years. After seeing the speed at which Wuhan was placed in total lockdown, 
building thousands of hospitals within days and weeks, shutdown of all non-essential businesses at the end of January for all of February. These are drastic measures that have never been taken before. And so it's clear that the Chinese were dealing with something the likes of which even they've never seen. And so couple that with how globally connected we are, the, the, the reactionary approach the world has taken, and it was only going to be a matter of time. Our, our first case was reported on January 21st in Washington. It seems pretty obvious in hindsight that behind every reported case, there's bound to be more, but we didn't approve widespread testing until beginning of March. And only beginning of last week have we really implemented shelter in place. Yeah. So you had reached out to me actually several weeks ago before most were talking about this, and you encouraged me to prepare. Can you share what you've done to be ready for something like this? Well, I think the most essential thing here is just to make sure you have uh, the basics rounded out. So starting with the most essential, which I think is just a well-rounded out medicine cabinet, the the, the coronavirus is going to tax our hospital system. So unless you're in a real ER emergency, it's really not advisable to go to hospitals because potentially you could be infected even if you weren't before. So having basic first aid kits, being able to handle most things at home by yourself instead of having to go to the hospital uh, becomes much more important. Additionally, when we're all at home and sitting around and not getting enough sun or uh, you know, having a diet like mine that's mostly corn dogs and microwave burritos, you need to make sure you have uh, your nutrition taken care of, which means having multivitamins, having fiber. And, and studies have shown that when people are shut in in the winter more, there, there tends to be a deficiency of vitamin D, which potentially hurts our immune system's ability to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to attack uh, viruses. So ma making sure you have the essentials, making sure you have plenty of uh, soap to wash your hands, having detergent, trash bags, uh, is, and obviously a well-stocked pantry is something you, you really need to have in place because uh, a lot of times while you can go out, you probably don't want to. Thanks. And, and so when we were talking, you had initially suggested, um, in terms of the medicine cabinet, having ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and guifenesin. But we've heard a shifting narrative on uh, best home care if you're feeling cold or flu-like symptoms. Maybe you can help relay what uh, the best protocol is today. Sure. So disclaimer, I'm not a doctor. So this is really my best judgment on the matter and, and based on some research. I think in general, uh, though, if you don't need to take any medicine, you, you shouldn't. So if you come down with flu-like symptoms where your fever is below 103, it's actually better not to take anything. Stay hydrated, get plenty of rest, and, and let your body do the work. A fever is really your body's signal to, to kick your immune system into high gear and to create a less desirable condition for, for disease to thrive. However, if you have too high of a fever, you risk damaging your body. And that's where a drug like acetaminophen comes into play. So if, if you have, if you are home and you have mild or mid symptoms of flu or potentially COVID-19, such as mucus and congestion, then that's also where a, a, a drug like mucosin can, can come in, into play and help with, uh, with your, your breathing. There's been a fair bit of uh, flip-flopping on ibuprofen and at first, the, the WHO advised against it and have since retracted that statement. 
currently there's no negative link between ibuprofen and symptoms of COVID uh, COVID nineteen. So if you if you are taking ibuprofen today, you could, you should be continuing to take it. Yeah, and I'm sure you've heard the news about the FDA testing hydroxychloroquine, which is a malaria drug, uh, and I believe chloroquine as well. What have you heard about the promise of that drug for treating COVID nineteen? So this is primarily based on research, but there's a number of drugs that are currently in trial or testing that have shown positive impact on slowing the rate at which COVID-19 virus replicates inside your body. So to take a step back and to understand why this works and, and how COVID-19 affects your body and why it's so deadly, COVID-19 is, is a virus that carries a small instruction. And what that what it does is it hijacks some of your own cells in your respiratory tract. And the cells, the virus is essentially telling your cells to make more copies of the virus itself so that it, it continues to spread in your body. At some point, your, your body's immune system detects that this is going on and then will create in, uh, a surge in your immune response to, co- uh, to, to combat these, uh, these viruses that are in, in your body. And in doing so, ca- causes inflammation, which potentially hampers your ability to, to breathe. So COVID-19 in particular targets the respiratory system. And it starts with obviously, you know, your, 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 your bronchial tubes, uh, but by the time it, when it spreads into your uh, alveoli, this is where oxygen and carbon dioxide exchange happens directly with your blood cells, then you, you have a case of pneumonia. So a few of the promising drugs such as uh, hydroxychlorine, uh, such as remdesivir, uh, target specific pathways where these viruses exploit your your own cells for replication. So uh, what 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 some of these um, drugs are doing, and in the case of uh, chloroquine, is it's it's blocking a certain receptor called the ACE two receptor, as well as potentially increasing the pH of certain areas of endosomes in your cells, so that it makes it harder for viruses to for specifically COVID nineteen to enter your cells. So this has shown to be at least somewhat effective in trials in China, uh, but currently it's not approved by the FDA as a treatment for specifically for COVID-19. And at the moment, we just don't have enough data. We don't have any controlled studies, no, no controlled tests. So we don't really, we don't really know. But I, I think as we're, we're, we're trial, trial, trialing these uh, drugs and getting more data, we'll have a much better sense of exactly how effective these, these drugs will be. Got it. That's incredibly helpful. And I think, you know, obviously we're all keeping our fingers crossed. Switching gears, can you give us a, a general sense of what life has been like for you in California? Yeah, I, I think since California has been fairly proactive and shelter in place, we've been living in shelter in place for about a week now. Um, but coupled with the fact that the Bay Area has been at the forefront of remote work, whether it's uh, people working remotely to do coding or to do meetings uh, it's actually, I would say, been a fairly moderated change. Everyone has already had some experience here working from home, working through online. Uh, so it's really more of trying to find a new rhythm, I guess. Schools are shut down, so everyone's adjusting to life with the kids at home, juggling video calls, and, and really trying to find what is, a, what is a new normal. I nowadays go out once a week for all the groceries, Supply chain chains seem fine. Everyone is social distancing, and I think we're going to have to be in this for the for the long haul, at least six to eight weeks. Change is always stressful, and this is a big change for the for the entire world. 
So I think most importantly, uh, everyone needs to make sure that they're in the right headspace to take to take time for themselves if, when they need it. Thanks for that. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go? Uh, everyone just stay safe. I think the most important thing to do is flattening the curve. If we all do our part, if we all make sure to stay stay inside as much as we can, then we're going to get to a point where the curve flattens and we're going to see a significant decrease. Uh, and, and that's kind of how we can, we, can, uh, we can weather the storm. Great. Thanks so much for joining us today, Kuhn. Hope to speak to you again soon. Likewise. Thank you. Now, let's get more practical and walk through the answers to some of the top questions surrounding the coronavirus. This came from Holly Yan and Scotty Andrew at CNN. Is it safe to get takeout from restaurants? Yes, but you may have to wipe down the packaging and containers just in case. How long will we have to keep social distancing? Probably for several months, but you might have to do it over and over again since the outbreak could come in waves. How long does coronavirus stay alive on surfaces? Up to three days, depending on the surface. Is it safe to go to the dentist? Unless you have an emergency, the American Dental Association suggests rescheduling imminent appointments. As always, let's end on a lighter note with a clip from SNL's Weekend Update earlier this month. President Trump held a press conference today to educate the public about the coronavirus, but I'm not sure it worked because according to a new survey, 38% of Americans say they won't drink Corona beer <laughs> because it sounds like coronavirus, while the rest won't drink it because it tastes like syphilis. <laughs> syphilis. <laughs> Donald Trump is the worst person to possibly ease people's fears. Trump's whole thing is that he whips arenas into a frenzy of anger and bloodlust. Hoping Trump can calm people down is like hoping cocaine can fight insomnia. <laughs> and I don't really trust Trump on medical issues because remember, this is what he had to say about Ebola. This is a much different problem than Ebola. Ebola, you disintegrated. You got Ebola, that was it. You disintegrated? Does he think that Thanos was named Ebola? <laughs> then, on his way to a rally where he would meet with thousands of untested people in an enclosed space, Trump explained his plan like this. We're ordering a lot of different uh, elements of medical. As you know, they're working as rapidly as they can on a vaccine for the future. And with that, I think I can head out. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and remember that you can get COVID-19 updates sent to your phone by texting COVID to 692-692. If you or anyone you know believes they may have been exposed to coronavirus, please call the New York State Health Hotline at 1-888-364-3065. As always, we will be back tomorrow with another instant update on the coronavirus in New York City. 